Hello, and welcome to the Treasures of Truth podcast with Dr. Jeremy Simpson of the Thanks to Calvary Baptist Church in Elkin, North Carolina. We hope that you enjoy the podcast today as we search together in the precious Word of God. Well, amen. This is Brother Jeremy Simpson, and I'm so thankful for you tuning into the podcast today, Treasures of Truth. And over the last couple podcasts, we've been in the book of Ephesians, chapter number six, where the Apostle Paul is writing about the armor of God. And uh, we want to continue in those thoughts on today's podcast, where the Bible says in Ephesians 6, 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. In the last podcast, I talked about the girdle of truth and how we need to fasten truth in our lives by the Word of God, the Son of God, and the Spirit of God. And I love that that study there of truth in the Bible. Truth in the Bible, the Word of God, the Spirit of God, the Son of God will help us fasten up our mind, our emotions, and our will. And, uh, you know, we need to listen to no one more than the Word of God. We need to love nothing more than the Son of God. And we need to be led by nothing more than the Spirit of God. And in this passage, uh, four times in these verses, we're told to stand, to stand. These are urgent, imperative commands that Paul is given through the power of the Holy Spirit. We're to be on guard. We're to take a stand against evil. There's a culture war going on in the world, and uh, the world is in a spiritual battle. And so we've got to analyze our enemy, we've got to utilize our equipment, and we've got to visualize our end. Victory's coming. And the thing that we've got to remember above all else about victory is victory is already won. Uh, There's no doubt of the outcome of the war. We read in the Word of God where we're going to win. We've read the back of the book. And there's no question how it ends, but in the meanwhile, in the meantime, we're to fight the good fight of faith. We've, we can win our own personal battles when we put on the armor of God and when we put on the whole armor of God. And boy, that'll help you to fight the current battle if you know that the war has already been won. Because the initial defeat of Satan happened through what Jesus did on Calvary. The Bible says none of the princes of this world would have crucified the Lord of glory had they known in the book of 1 Corinthians. And at Calvary, uh, Satan was defeated. And so that's the initial defeat. And then we know in the Word of God the final defeat of Satan. I mean, he's, he's going to be cast into the lake of fire. And so there's the initial defeat of Satan at Calvary. There's the final defeat of Satan. But what about the continual defeat of Satan right now? We know initially he was defeated at Calvary. We know he'll be finally defeated in the lake of fire. But right now we need continual victory over Satan. And the Bible tells us that we're the body of Christ. And uh, there's many parts to the body. 
And I thought about this one time. If I if I'm part of the body, what part am I, or what part would I desire to be? And there's some people that would say, "Well, I'd like to be the eyes of Christ to see what He sees, or the ears of Christ to hear what He hears, or maybe the mouth of Christ to speak what He speaks, or the heart of Christ. That's a good one to love how He loves, or the hands of Christ to touch how He touches." But I wonder if anybody would be the feet of Christ to stand like he stands. The Bible says this in Romans 16, 20, And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. That's walking like Jesus walked. That's standing like Jesus stood. That's defeating Satan like Jesus defeated Satan. Because he bruised the head of the serpent. And the Bible says in Romans that God can let us bruise Satan with our feet. The same power that Jesus overcame Satan with, we could overcome Satan with. Boy, that encourages me. And a lot of folks are saved and on their way to heaven, and they will win the war. But what about the battles? A lot of people don't realize this, but in World War II, there was a D-Day as in David, D-Day, we hear a lot about that. I had a grandfather that fought in the war and was on uh, one of the islands there, uh, not Normandy. I was trying to remember that, uh, exactly which one he was on. Utah, I think, Utah Beach. And, uh, man, he fought, and, and um, thank God for that. But D-Day, he was a part of that. But do you realize that, D-Day, the reason we celebrate D-Day is because it basically ensured victory against Hitler and against those that were coming against the Allies. But a lot of people don't realize there was a V-Day, as in Victor, Victory Day. And that didn't come for another year. D-Day and then V-Day came another year. There was a large time span between the two, and there were many casualties in that year. There were many that died during that year. And you know, that's kind of the way it is with the child of God. Calvary is our D-Day. The rapture and the revelation is V-Day, the day of the Lord. But the victory's already been won and assured and guaranteed, but there's still battles in between D-Day and V-Day. And so we need to think about that, that, man, the victory's been won, but let's not be a casualty between between the time that it was initially realized and when the revelation takes place. And so Paul goes on to write about the breastplate. And that's what I'll look at today for just a little while, the breastplate of righteousness. Because the word breastplate is the Greek word, uh, thorax, which which means the chest. Uh, it was a piece of armor that covered uh, from the neck down to the abdomen. And uh, the Word of God also calls it a coat of mail. And we talked about the girdle of truth. The girdle of truth and the breastplate would be fastened. Uh, the breastplate of righteousness. That's very important. Not just a breastplate, but of righteousness. And the word righteousness is simple. It just means that which is right. Uh, it just means purity, holiness, cleanliness, virtuous, moral, decent. 
Well, Brother Jeremy, I'm, I'm not those things. I fail on a daily basis. You're exactly right. So what's this breastplate? If it's righteousness and, and we the best we can do are still just filthy rags in our righteousness, then it's not talking about our righteousness. Because if I'm going into the battle with a breastplate of my righteousness, I'm vulnerable. So you need to understand when Paul writes this about the breastplate of righteousness, he's not talking about your good works. <laughs> Never. Oh, no, it's not by our works. Uh, the Bible teaches us we're saved by grace through faith, and I believe that we continue by grace through faith. The breastplate is not my righteousness. It's important to understand that this breastplate is the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, how do I put on breastplate of righteousness? Simple. Justification. Justification, a one-time act, never to be brought under condemnation again. And when we got saved, the breastplate of righteousness the breastplate of justification was placed on us at that very moment when we repented, when we trusted the Lord for salvation. We traded garments with Christ. He that knew no sin became sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We traded our sins for his holiness. And here's how Satan will try to defeat you. He'll try to defeat you by coming and trying to put sins back on you, back on your account that have already been judged, that have already been justified. So how do we put this breastplate on? Simply trusting what we trusted at the very moment of salvation. Trusting Jesus never ends. We trust him initially and we trust him continually. Now you got to know your enemy. We talked about that in a podcast a couple of podcasts ago you've got to know your enemy and one of the meanest in, uh, arrows of satan one of the meanest darts of satan uh, that he has in his arsenal is guilt i know so many children of god that are defeated because of guilt over what they've done in the past and even in the present and the bottom line guys is this we're sinners I was born in sin, conceived in iniquity. I've never lived a perfect day in my life. Uh, I'm doing this podcast uh, this morning very early. Uh, and, you know, I i don't know what I might fail God with today. I don't want to fail God. But the Bible says, for all of sin and come short of the glory of God. And as long as I'm living in this world, I'm still, I'm still body, soul, and spirit. And the spirit is spirit and the flesh is flesh and so i'll fall short of the glory of god every single day of my life but here's the truth even though we know we're sinners and know we're failures and we know that we're pitiful without the grace of god when we don't gird ourselves with the truth of the word of god the son of god and the spirit of god the breastplate becomes loose again that was fastened together and it leaves us open for the dart of guilt. There's very few things that'll paralyze a child of God like guilt. I mean, if it if it's been confessed, been forgiven, been forsaken, and then Satan comes and drags it up over and over again to hurt you, there's nothing I know anymore that will defeat you in your life than guilt. And we need to know the difference 
between God dealing with our sin and Satan dealing with our sin. You need to understand this. When God convicts, he convicts in love, and Satan convicts us in hatred. God convicts of present sin. Satan will bring up past sin. God convicts using the Word of God. Satan will use feelings. God convicts us, and it will draw us closer. Satan's guilt will move us further away. God's conviction will lead to devotion. Satan's guilt will lead to depression. God will help us look ahead in hope when Satan will make us look back and give up. We need to know the difference. And we need to put on the breastplate of righteousness to overcome that guilt. There's a few ways that Satan works. And this thing of guilt, uh, this attack of guilt, uh, it comes in various ways. It can come by Satan accusing us. The Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. And um, he'll say things like that. How can you act like, how can you act like um, you belong here at this church? You know what you did. How can you lift your hand and praise? You know what you said. How can you hold that position in the ministry? You know what you did. How can you witness to a sinner? You're no better than they are. And those accusations about our guilt will defeat us without the proper answer. Well, what's the answer, preacher? I've been made righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ. Satan will accuse us. You know what, something else? We accuse ourselves. A lot of times, it's not Satan accusing us. We've just started believing his lies, and we go on accusing ourselves. He's told us the accusation so many times that we've started believing it. And some Christians have the perpetual problem of self self-examination. I believe in self-examination, but don't let it go wild. Self-examination, if you let it go wild, will become self-accusation. And there's nothing wrong with self-examination, but there is with self-accusation. It's unhealthy spiritually because Satan will convince you to put yourself on uh, yourself on the shelf. He uses feelings, he uses memories that'll condemn you and, and he works in the mind. Listen, if God has forgiven you and forgotten, then you should too. And I know that word forgotten is, uh, for lack of a better one, he chooses not to remember. I understand that. But Satan is the accuser before God. And he does well enough without me chiming in and helping him. Satan will accuse us, and that will cause guilt. We accuse ourselves. That will cause guilt. Others accuse us. Boy, anybody that serves God, the Bible teaches, will be falsely accused. There's numerous occasions in the Word of God where God's people were falsely accused. Nehemiah faced it. Joseph faced it. David faced it. Daniel faced that. Jeremiah, Moses, Paul, John the Baptist, the disciples. Even Jesus himself was falsely accused. And it's, it's God's job to silence someone that is lying. It's God's job. And so when others accuse you, lay your head on your pillow at night and say, you know what? I know my, what my relationship is with God. What, what, I know how I'm living. I know I'm not what I, all that I should be, but I know that I'm not what I used to be. And so we need to understand that. The Bible talks about that in uh, the book of 1 Peter about having a, a clear conscience and uh, being able to understand that we've got an answer for every 
person that accuses us. That's what the Bible's talking about there. And so Satan accuses us, and we accuse ourselves, and others accuse us. We need to understand that the guilt will rob us of all of our joy, of our peace, of our prayer life, of our worship. So we need that breastplate, that breastplate that is fastened to truth, the Word of God, the Son of God, and the Spirit of God. Because Satan will accuse you about your past, and Satan will accuse God about your future. And that is where you put on the breastplate of righteousness and say, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hey, put on the whole armor of God. Go out today, be salt, and be light. If you're listening to this in the morning, you've got a whole day to be salt and light. If you're listening to this in the evening, you plan, tomorrow I'm going to be salt and light in this world. God bless you. Until the next podcast of Treasures of Truth.